Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 187 on Now You Know. Brought to you, as always, by our fantastic Patreons who make this show possible. And as Amazon Associates, we earn from qualifying purchases. You'll find the link down below to help support the show with your Amazon purchases. And we're brought to you by EcoWare.us, where we've got new designs uploaded every week. And I've got a design that you can only get right now on electricperformance.tv, where you can go support the electric performance race car, which is... Oh, yeah, you want to see that too. Whoa, look, there's side... We got side stuff. We got the back. We got the... Pikes Peak Hill Climb. We got, look at this, electric performance. We Everything we could do to make this the most amazing shirt. So these are the team shirts. Yeah. So yeah, head over to Electric Performance Join if you want team. a shirt like that. You can also get your name on the car. We got hats. We got jackets. Um, and oh, also, what's this? If you head over to EcoWare, you can uh, find this new tee. So if you were thinking of getting a Cybertruck and you want to let everyone know, uh, we, we have a t-shirt for that. So Tesla has just announced that in update 2020.12.5, there's going to be a Tesla in-car viewer. Yes. So this is for the sentry mode footage. You know, if you stick a thumb drive or a hard drive into your car and you do all the appropriate steps, like making a folder called Tesla cam, it will actually save sentry mode footage. So if, if weird things are happening around your car, your car is going to detect it. And also when you're driving, you're going to have uh, the dash cam, all four cameras around your car working. But the problem is that if you want to see it later, it's like a pain in the neck. Right. You either have, well, you always have to disconnect it from your car and then you have to go either plug it into another computer or plug it into your phone with an adapter and then you have to get an app and it was, oh, there's so many different steps and it's like, I just want to make sure that my car isn't being broken into and if someone scratches, you know, the paint on my car. But it looks like Tesla has fixed this problem. Yes. They said that watch save dash cam clips or sentry mode events directly from the touchscreen with the dash cam viewer. To launch, tap the dash cam icon in the status bar and select launch viewer while the car is in park. If the car is in drive, you will continue to save a clip by tapping the icon. To view saved clips and events stored on your USB drive, tap the menu icon in the upper left corner of the viewer. Each video is organized by location, date, and thumbnail for easy access. For additional filtering options, tap the dash cam or sentry tabs. Select a clip or event to play the corresponding video. To select video from a particular camera, tap the associated thumbnail marked front, rear, left, or right. Play, pause, or scroll by using the video controls at the bottom of the player. To delete a video, tap the trash icon in the bottom right corner of the video player. Sounds easy enough. Yeah, and this makes it just that much more approachable to uh, have a well-maintained uh, sentry mode thing. And, and the, the amazing part here is that Tesla has continued to upgrade. First, it just started off with dash cam footage. It was just while you were driving. Then they added sentry mode where it's now, you know, you have security cameras around your whole car while it's parked. And then they updated so that way it would go back and scrub through your files so that way you wouldn't just have a full hard drive and it wouldn't record anything. This this is huge because yeah. I think a lot of times you get back in your car and you're like, wait, what just happened? Did something happen? Right. And then you don't know if you, you know, by the time you get home, you forget about it. And and it's like, are you really going to sit there and be like, I'm going to unplug this. I'm going to go root right. around, look for my adapter, pull it out, open the appropriate app, plug in the other end of the device, and then I'm going to sit here and it's like, by the time you do that, it's like, why aren't we moving? Where are we going? Why why aren't we headed home? I'm tired. I'm hungry. I need to go to the bathroom, you know? So this is just one less step to just be like, what the heck just happened? 
Oh, nothing. It was a raccoon. Huh? Interesting. So Tesla beat many analyst estimates and had 88,400 total deliveries in Q1. It's been a while since we've been talking about uh, production numbers. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since we've been talking about production numbers. Uh, can we put this into context somehow? All right, well, let's take a look at this graph here from hypercharts.co. This is Galley's charts from Hyperchange. Awesome charts, by the way, so go check them out. So as you can see here by the Q1 in 2020 chart here, you, it seems like, oh, well, that's lower than the quarter before, so that's awful. But what we wanna keep in mind here is that automobiles are cyclical, right? They don't sell the same all throughout the year. And so we wanna look at Q1 every year and compare them year over year. So if we look at Q1 from 2019, we see this that it's a 40% year-over-year growth from 2019's Q1. And we also have to keep in mind that this is including March. Yes, what happened in March? Uh, <laughs> uh, not much. Uh, things not, slowed yeah. way down. So that's really good news. This is the best first quarter delivery and production numbers ever. Now, it's interesting to note that the production numbers were higher than the delivery numbers, which is kind of common for Tesla. Mm -hmm. And that is likely because cars are still in the process of being shipped, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're on a ship and haven't been delivered yet, you can't count them as delivered. The other cool thing to look at here is the column that says subject to lease accounting. And so for many car makers, they are leasing a lot of their cars. Tesla is not. And that is largely because of demand. Okay, but what's the problem with leasing? Yeah, leasing doesn't really net the company the same kind of income as just selling the car and getting it off the lot entirely does. Because usually it's like a two or three year lease. Right. And usually it's a little cheaper for the consumer to lease instead of buy. And then at the end of their lease, they can go on and get a brand new car. And why do you think most people don't even want to lease a Tesla? Because when you lease a gas car, you know that after two or three years, there's going to start to be problems, mechanical issues that cost a lot of money. Many people understand electric cars that that's not really the issue here. Right. So you can own the car for many, many years without a problem. So a lot of times on Tesla Time News, we're showing awesome drone footage of the Giga Berlin construction site. Oh yeah, that's from the YouTube channel Tesla Kid Grunheind. Yes, he's so nice to allow everyone to use his footage. He doesn't copyright his footage, so we're able to show it on the show, which is Really, really nice because then we all get to see it. But we have some news about Tesla kid Grunheit. He was nearly arrested for flying a drone over Giga Berlin last week. A security guard saw him flying his drone and then called the police. Um, now, we're not going to comment on drone laws, but it sounds like all he needs is approval from Tesla to fly over the factory construction site. And I think that he should get it. Yeah. It is absolutely invaluable to have footage of the factory being built. We had footage of the Gigafactory in Shanghai being built, and that was so transformative and so amazing because it was built so fast. And it was super valuable information for when we thought the factory might be actually be up and running. Yeah, it brought us together as a community to see the weekly you know, progress of the factory. And the same is true here. I mean, all of us have loved watching what's going on in Berlin. And instead of having to get third hand accounts of like, oh, well, is it going ahead or not? You could actually just see the progress with right. your own eyes. So I highly urge you to head over to our clips channel. This clip is going to be up as soon as possible on that channel. Please tweet this clip. Uh, to Elon, so that way he sees it, and hopefully we can get uh, Tesla Kid Grunheind to uh, have permission to fly over the factory. Yeah, because it shouldn't be hard. I mean, all we need is, you know, word from the big guy, yeah. and uh, they're going to let him fly his drone. He's been super courteous and super responsible, so there's no reason why we can't continue. Worst case scenario, he just has to fly 400 meters away from the factory. So I urge you to head over to his YouTube channel and offer him some support, because worst case scenario... 
We just get him a much better drone with some telephoto lenses <laughs> and, and you know, we, we can make it work that way as well. Um, but yeah, just a big shout out to Tesla Kid Grunheind. He's awesome. So what do you do in a global panic? You buy toilet paper. Okay, but you can't eat toilet paper. Pretty sure you can. <laughs> But that's not what a lot of people in New South Wales, Australia have been doing. So Smart Energy is a solar retailer in New South Wales, and they said that they have witnessed a record sales quarter after an unprecedented 41% increase in sales and a 400 increase in battery inquiries over the last two weeks. Wait a minute. This is during like a global shutdown. How, how would they be increasing sales? Nobody's increasing sales right now unless they're selling toilet paper. Well, toilet paper and batteries and solar, because what is something that is going to show up every day? The sun. Uh. So even even in a global uh, shutdown, that obviously doesn't apply to Apollo, the sun god. Um, and so therefore, he he doesn't have to. He's very Apollo. He is distant. Socially distant when he rides his chariot across the sky every day. Um Okay, but back to reality here, back to seriousness. This really shows that it's clicked with with Australians. I think that one of the biggest parts about this is the giant Tesla battery pack in New South Wales. Yeah. We've heard nothing but good news stories about it since it came out. It's been flawless. It's saved uh, ratepayers lots and lots of money. Yeah. And I think that a lot of Australians, especially since they're so close and they hear a lot about this battery, they want batteries for themselves. And if you want solar and batteries for yourself, we recommend that you reach out to the team at EnergyPal, who are energy geeks that help homeowners go solar for less. So far working with EnergyPal, our viewers have collected 2 million kilowatt hours of solar. So Cybertruck Owners Club has been stuck inside like the rest of us, but they've been hard at work not only keeping track of Cybertruck reservations from around the world, and get this, the count is up to 622,000 reservations, wow. but they also have some really interesting stats on their website. Okay, what are the interesting stats? Well, you can go on their websites and see like how many people have ordered tri-motor versus dual motor. You can see where in the, in the world they're from, mm -hmm. where in the states they're from. You can kind of dive down into all that cool data, but also they've been busy making a landing page concept for the Tesla website. They're like, hey, you know, when you go to the Tesla website right now, it's not that exciting when you get to the Cybertruck just page. Just a picture of a right. Cybertruck. But they made this. I mean, I don't know, Tesla, maybe just uh, hire them. <laughs> right. It's so nice to be thinking about the Cybertruck at this point in time, because it's, it's just something to be looking forward to, and it's just over the horizon. I know. And of course, in true Tesla fashion, I think that we're going to be seeing lots more features that just weren't mentioned on, on, on the unveiling. Like, we're just going to be like, oh, I didn't realize that it had a storage compartment that could fit, you know a full cooler and all sorts right. of wonderful gadgets and stuff. So I'm very excited to hear more about the Cybertruck. And if you want to enter your reservation information onto the spreadsheet, you can go to the link that is down below in the show notes. Now, here's a good positive story in these times. We kind of need one. Our friend Eric Lundgren, he's the CEO at BigBattery.com in Chatsworth, California, has donated 31 of these solar battery trailers to 10 area hospitals in LA to help power their triage tents during this crisis. So these solar battery trailers are trailers that you pull with giant batteries on them mm -hmm. and solar panels and lights, and you can plug in. They're a portable, renewable power station. And get this, what I think is kind of like the best part of this whole thing. The best part is that these trailers are made from recycled electronics and EV batteries. Wow. Not only that, he's donating N95 masks that he's gotten from China. That's so awesome. Wow, I really want a solar battery trailer. All right, so Elon <laughs> tweeted this on Friday. 
hoping to roll out traffic lights and stops to wide U.S. release in a few weeks and probably worldwide release in quarter three. So many variations in each country. Very important to make sure this is done right. So that's exciting. Traffic lights and stop signs. I can't wait to, you know, do some number crunching and figure out how many lives are going to be saved. Just if your car, if you're not paying attention and you're about to run a red light, if your car would actually stop for you. I mean, because last week we announced that this was found to be in the software Mm. for early release people. But the big question mark was, when are we going to get it? Right. Now he's saying a few weeks. And if you're wondering in Europe when you're going to get it, Sam asked any progress with the EU and Elon said some progress. So that doesn't help you you at all. (laughs) Well, at least there's been some progress. All right. Time to crack open another cold one. What is the show over? Oh, no. I I think, uh, well, see, I think SpaceX needs to make a beverage company. But they don't have enough to do? Well, I'm just saying these frosty Starship prototypes look so refreshing. Um, You know, they're just covered in frost and they just, mm, and then they, and then they, you know, they crack open. Starship ale. Starship something. I mean, it could be Starship, could be Mars, could be Lunar. The lunar IPA, I mean, I guess you already have Blue Moon or whatever. But, I mean, it doesn't have to be alcoholic. It could be a soda, whatever, okay. just, or or a seltzer. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, it is full of – maybe it's a nitri- nitrogenated <laughs> instead of – because it's full of uh, – because it's full of uh, nitrogen when they do the pressure test. I like it. Wait a minute. That's not a soda can? Uh, no. That was actually uh, SN3. So it crumpled on the test stand uh, last Friday night. However, according to Elon, that was due to test configuration rather than flaws in the design or build of the tank itself. So basically, when we think of rockets, you kind of imagine like you light a match under it and then and then there's like a little wick and then it goes. That's not how it's done. That's not how these rockets work. These are, uh, you know, liquid fueled rockets. So in this case, Starship is going to have a methane uh, fuel. And obviously, when you're in space, in order to burn things, you need oxygen. Mm -hmm. So you need to bring that oxygen with you. And they do that with uh, liquid oxygen. So you have these pressurized, in fact, cryogenic. So you lower the temperature, which makes them even smaller. So you can fit more stuff in these tanks. And you need uh, multiple different tanks to do multiple different things. So in this test, they were focused on the methane tank. And they didn't pressurize the liquid oxygen tank. Now, when they do these tests, they're just using nitrogen because nitrogen is very inert. It will not blow up. But as you can see here, basically, they didn't pressurize the liquid oxygen tank enough, which meant that this uh, tank above it, which you're filling full of stuff, is getting heavier and heavier and heavier oh, crushed and it. crushed it. Oh, interesting. So just in case you were wondering, like, is rocket science really that hard? It's pretty <laughs> difficult. Yeah. So then after this everyday astronaut was asking Elon, like, how are you going to make sure that these rockets are safe since you've, you know, destroyed three of them on the test stand? And Elon basically said that over time, they're going to be making them safer and safer and safer. Because, I mean, if you think about planes, for example, you know, back in the turn of the century, back when planes just came out, uh, there were a lot of plane crashes. There were a lot of plane accidents and wings falling off. Yeah, you got to experiment. So... This is where we're at with uh, reusable rockets. And and these are test sites. You design these tests so that they can fail and not hurt anybody. Right. And that's exactly what's happened here. And I'd like to point out there's a lot of learning that goes on. Like in hindsight, it's easy for us to be like, oh, yeah, I would have definitely uh, I would pressurized have made sure that, 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 that was pressurized. But be- like <laughs> because it's obvious in hindsight. But right. It's not when you're first pioneering this stuff. Right. Also. They're moving so fast. Right. Like, instead of sitting there for months, like, what could go wrong? They're just 
doing it. Right. And then they build another one. So, uh, you know, serial number four is on the way. It's awesome. Yeah. I love this kind of science. And also, you know, part of that rocket got crushed, but basically the uh, the thrust puck and all of the, the, the pieces at the bottom are still fine. So they just cut that off, put Do it on it the next one. I think that that's really cool. All right. So full self-driving price increases are coming. So Kristen asked, full self-driving still on track to increase in price? And Elon said, yeah, probably July 1st. So just remind me, because it's been a while. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been a while. So just remind me, when you buy a Tesla, you can buy full self-driving at the time of checkout, mm -hmm. and it's cheaper than if you buy it later. Right. And if Elon's going to raise the price of full self-driving in July 1st, that means both at checkout and later? I'm assuming so. That's what they've done before. Um, so, you know, if you're checking out with a Model 3 or Mo Model Y or Model X or S uh, right now, it does, I mean, it, it always makes sense to get the full self-driving if that's something that you want the car to have in the future. Um, and for the longest time, you were just basically buying something that said, you know, your car will have full self-driving. And that's it. There, You didn't get any features or anything. Okay, but if someone's out there asking like, okay, but what would I actually be getting now? Is there anything you'd be getting? Uh, yeah, so right now if you buy it, uh, full self-driving includes the smart summon. It includes regular summon. And it includes uh, some of the upcoming full self-driving features. Uh, and also uh, drive on nav. Those are the things that you'd be getting with full self-driving. And, you know, when more features actually, you know, actually roll out... Um, that's when we tend to see the price increase. So it it has always been going up. So how much do you think this price increase in July will be? It's going to be in July. Elon has said that the uh, you know the stoplight stuff is going to be added in a couple weeks, um, which makes me think that there's going to be even more coming in July. I'm going to imagine that they're going to just kind of maybe it's seven thousand at checkout and then. 10,000 afterwards or 9,000 afterwards. Oh, so you think like 2,000. I'm going to guess more like a $1,000 price increase. GM and Honda announced on Friday that they will jointly develop two new EVs that should arrive in 2024. How, how do you, if you're two car companies and you each make cars, what do you, how do you like, what do you draw straws in order who, who you know? Maybe that's how they did it. But Honda is basically going to design the interiors and exteriors, and the cars will have the Honda nameplate. Mm -hmm. And GM will make the electric powertrain and supply the Ultium batteries. Okay, now. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, GM is known for their powertrains in electric vehicles. But on the Bolt, mm -hmm. that was okay, developed that was th and made by LG. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't the worry. The whole powertrain. Yeah, yeah. Don't, from the batteries... Yeah, yeah, to right. the wheels. Right, right. But they're they're working on developing a powertrain right now. And, and they have a cool name, <laughs> Ultium Batteries. Right. So, I mean, I'm pretty excited, you know, the Honda inside and outside. That's great. I've I've never had a problem with most of Honda's, you know, cars mm -hmm. in terms of looks and interiors, you know, fine, whatever. Well, don't worry, because GM is also adding its OnStar and Super Cruise to both models. And have we even seen Super Cruise at this point? Uh, it's on some of the high-end Cadillacs, and it's okay. coming to some of the other stuff. But, I mean, by 2024, that'll be pretty cool to have in your That's car, true. huh? I like how they're just, like, OnStar Super Cruise. It's kind of like, um, and this is pretty <laughs> relatable now, you know, you open your fridge, and you haven't gone to the grocery store in, like, a week and a half or two weeks or whatever, and you're just, like, out of everything, and you're just like, hmm, what are we going to have? You know, what's for dinner tonight? And you're just like... Uh, we're gonna have creamed corn with some relish and uh, canned green beans and some rice. 
And it's like, is that a meal? And it's like, uh, it's not <laughs> not a meal. We can definitely eat it. Right, because that's all you've got. And that's all GM and Honda have right now is like they don't know how to do any of this other stuff. And so they're relying on some of their brands that they have, like OnStar and Super Cruise. And by, I'm sorry, but by 2024, Super Cruise is not going to be that exciting. It's not that exciting now. I mean, no. you don't see people using it that are super duper excited about it because the feature set is, I'm sorry, not really there yet. This is this is an act of desperation. Right. I mean, Honda has worked together before with GM. In 2013, for instance, they partnered to work on hydrogen fuel cell technology. And how did that work out? And Honda has invested $2.75 billion over 12 years in GM's Cruise Autonomous Driving Company. But apart from those partnerships, they haven't produced any EVs together. Right. And I mean, I would even argue that GM hasn't produced any EVs because it was LG Chem that right. made the the actual right. drivetrain. Now, I know that they came out with Bolts. I know that they sold the Bolts. I know that the Bolt is a great car. But GM didn't do that. That was all LG. It, literally, they were getting the, the drivetrains fully assembled from Korea. Right. And then they would put it in the car. I mean, Honda, I think, is like... This is a backup plan for them. It's like, we don't want to develop our own uh, powertrains. That would be a lot of R&D. So let's, oh, GM's doing it? Great. And GM doesn't want to put their name on it. They're like, oh, we're going to make an electric, but uh, Honda, why don't you put your name on it? And this is exactly why I keep saying that, like, maybe these car manufacturers are going to survive if they just pool together and we get Honda, GM, Ford, and VW, BMW, Daimler. You know, like... That's basically, it seems, the only way that these companies are going to survive is because some of them are working on battery technology, it seems, and some of them aren't at all, but are like companies that everyone knows the name of. And so at some point when the going is getting tough, which it's pretty freaking tough right now, at some point they're either going to have to merge or go out of business. This is going to speed up their demise. It really is. Evoy is a Norwegian company that started in 2018 with its 800-horsepower electric inboard powertrain. Now Evoy has announced that it has a prototype 90-kilowatt, that's 120-horsepower, or 150-kilowatt, which is a 200-horsepower peak outboard motor that will weigh 150 kilograms, or 330 pounds. Now, the range is tough to estimate because, of course, it depends on the boat that you're attaching it to, but Evoy will be selling modular battery packs in 25-kilowatt-hour blocks. So this is kind of exciting news. So you could take any boat, mm-hmm. anything that floats, mm-hmm. basically, um, put on some battery packs, mm-hmm. put on some electric motors, and now Boom. you have an electric boat. Oh, man, that's yes. exciting. Now, I what would really excite me is if they also included, and you could probably do this yourself, but like a modular solar canopy. Yeah. Um, even, I mean, you could go crazy and just have, like, modular solar buoy things, you, you know? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's so fun. I mean, because boats are out in the middle of the ocean and there's nothing to block the sun. So, I mean, you've just got continuous power to recharge your batteries. Right. Now, remember we had a story about New York and how they weren't going to legalize e-bikes because, I don't know, it annoyed them or something? Mm. But then during this whole, you know, worldwide shutdown, they were like, oh, e-bikes are okay. We're not, we're going to, you know, turn the other cheek when it comes to that law. Right. Uh, didn't I just hear something about them legalizing them? Yeah, so New York finally legalized uh, e-bikes and scooters. Uh, so basically, the budget language is almost exactly the same as a bill that was almost passed uh, last year that was vetoed by Andrew Cuomo. 
Um, basically, Cuomo didn't like uh, that there weren't enough like helmet laws in place. You know, when it comes to helmet laws, I just refer right back to Seinfeld. I think that he covered that really well. The only thing dumber than the helmet is the helmet law, the point of which is to protect a brain that is functioning so poorly, it's not even trying to stop the cracking of the head that it's in. Irregardless, they have passed this bill, and it basically opens it up for ownership of e-bikes and e-scooters. Uh, there are some limits, but I think that they're very reasonable. We'll get to those in a second. And it opens up the door for dockless scooters like Bird and Lime, but they would need to be permitted by municipalities before launching. Which and makes I think sense. Yeah. Makes complete sense. Work because with your cities first. It, we've seen what happens when you dump the scooters out on the road and, right. the, and the towns have nothing to it, say about it them. It throws e-mobility back years when you just dump these scooters because then everyone's like, I don't, I don't like, like them. them. But right. that, it's not that you didn't like the scooters, it's you didn't like how they did the launch right so this law creates three classes of e-bikes class one is pedal assist with no throttle class two is throttle assist with a maximum speed of 20 miles an hour and class three is throttle powered with a maximum speed of 25 miles an hour um, e-scooters will be capped at 15 miles an hour and riders under 18 must be required to wear a helmet helmets would also be required for riders of class three e-bikes this is a law that we can get behind. I know that there were a lot of European and French viewers who were just super offended that we thought that their laws were way too strict on e-bikes. And I guess they thought we wanted to have some kind of like daredevil school just start up in every country in Europe. No, this is what we're talking about. 20 miles an hour, and here it is in, in kilometers an hour, I think is a reasonable speed to be traveling on an e-bike. And 25 with a throttle powered, I think is... It's just really nice. It allows you to have some flexibility depending on what you can do as a person. The biggest problem is we just don't have the infrastructure in most places for any kind of e-mobility other than a car. Or we bikes built, in general. We built our whole society on cars. And right. so when you try and introduce pedestrians or bikes or e-bikes or scooters, then it becomes a big mess in many places just because you don't have rules for it and, and infrastructure for it. Right. So that's the problem. We need to start redesigning our cities. And it's expensive and it takes time to do. Right. So Barclays Bank has been the biggest European financier of fossil fuels since the Paris Climate Agreement was signed. They have provided $118 billion in financing to carbon-intensive companies, according to the Rainforest Action Network. Well, now it appears they have bowed to shareholder pressure and agreed to a resolution to shrink their carbon footprint to net zero by 2050. Yeah, they claim to have aligned all of their financing activities with the goals and timelines of the Paris Agreement and will publish transparent targets to track its progress. And when I read this, it got me pumped because remember, we've done a show where we tried to get everyone to take their money out of banks that pollute and that finance polluters mm -hmm. and put it into banks that don't. Because it's one of the biggest impacts you can make because, you know, sure, you could go and spend all of your money that's in your savings account to, you know, put up a solar field or something like that. But then you don't have any money in your savings account. Right. Whereas if you just move your money from one savings account to another, uh, the bank is basically spending that money. Um, you obviously have access to it. That's how banking works. But that means that you're no longer supporting the investment into fossil fuels through your bank. So is it time to switch your bank back over to Barclays? Well, I, I did a little investigating. I wanted to make sure they're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And Barclays said it would restrict financing for companies that benefit from thermal coal activities, but would continue funding some companies involved in controversial tar sands projects in Canada that aim to cut their emissions. 
Now, Barclays will no longer support new Arctic drilling and will not finance fracking in the UK or Europe, but will consider other global projects. And I was like, wait a minute. I like some of that language, but some of it sounds weird. So I kept digging, mm -hmm. and it turns out that Greenpeace UK's senior climate advisor, Charlie Cronick, criticized the policy. He said, the whole thing stinks of hypocrisy. It's nothing but an attempt to pull the wool over the eyes of shareholders who rightly want the bank to end its contribution to catastrophic climate breakdown. Barclays remains Europe's largest financier of these planet heating industries and refuses to face up to the reality of the climate emergency and their role in fueling it until it realizes that getting to net zero means ambitious action to phase out support for all fossil fuels, this newly proposed resolution is absolutely meaningless. So, I mean, what to do if you're a bank who wants to keep financing fossil fuels because of money, but all of your shareholders don't like it? Well, you can just develop some language. You can pick out specific industries that you're not really investing in anyway. Like it, It's just really sad that they're like, we're doing the good thing, and then they're not doing the good thing at all. Right. Now, if you're a shareholders in Barclays, there's a vote coming up on May 7th, and uh, keep their feet to the fire. Keep pressuring them. This resolution really isn't a much of a binding resolution at all. So it's just funny how you know the headline makes it sound great. Oh, my bank is shifted. I don't have to worry about it right. anymore. You gotta read the fine print. Right. And so then maybe on May 8th, if they don't do anything after you vote, pull your money pull out. Pull your money out. Uh, we have a whole in-depth which talks about this whole topic. And we'll put the link down in the description so you can watch it if you haven't watched it already. It's one of the biggest impacts you can make. So remember a few weeks ago, we told you about Thorsten who wrote App Launcher. This is an app that allows you to browse the web full screen with your Tesla. Well, one of Tesla's latest over-the-air updates broke the code, but Thorsten has figured out a workaround. Hey Zach, hey Jesse, this is Torsten from Germany again. Here's a quick update about that app launcher. There's some good news and some bad news. Apparently, starting with software version 2020.8, Tesla changed something in their software and now the full screen button doesn't work as expected. It just opens YouTube in the small browser window instead of going to full screen. So what I did, just sort of as a workaround, I created a YouTube channel named App Launcher Site. And now if you uses full screen switch it just goes to a video in that channel showing you how you can go to full screen manually by going through a theater and then clicking a link below that video so what you have to do now is you need to go to full screen manually and then once you're in YouTube you can find the video with a link in your history right here or if you subscribe to the channel, you can also go through your subscription and in the channel homepage, you also find a link. Or again, below the video, there's a link to the app launcher site that you can use. And then you have the app launcher in full screen mode. So yeah, it's not as convenient as it used to be, but still better than nothing, I think. Um, so here's some good news. Here's a new feature in the app launcher. You can now back up and restore all your settings across different devices. So say you have configured all your apps here uh, and you want to use the same setup maybe in a, in a different car or you want to edit everything at home on your computer. Then you can just use that little cloud icon here and then you can save all your settings to the cloud. You just have to press this little button here and then you get your own personal backup ID, which is unique, uh, which you can copy and or write down, and then you can use that ID to restore everything on a different device or in a different car. 
So just to demonstrate it in my car here, I'm going to remove all my settings so it's empty and then I can go to restore and then go to restore from cloud and then in this text field here this is where you would paste or enter the ID which could be from another device in my case it's already in there because I'm on the same device and now you have the option to either keep your data in the cloud which means you can reuse the ID over and over again uh, or you can say I don't want my data to be stored in the cloud anymore please delete it and then everything and the ID is deleted if you check that box and there it is everything is restored from the cloud so that's it that was the news about the app launcher thank you guys now you know isn't that awesome that is great yeah i mean i was doing it the other day with my very limited testing i found that the that the full screen thing did work when i was on my wi-fi at home hmm. that might be it but i also didn't test it a lot so <laughs> That's not very good scientific data, <laughs> You're and you shouldn't be publishing it. <laughs> All right, so I know a lot of people are excited about the VW ID3, mm -hmm. and uh, we just got some videos from VW showing some of the features, so let's check this out. The first one here is the HUD with directions. Also, it has lane assist after 60 kilometers an hour, and it has adaptive cruise control. Pretty cool. Nice. The second video here shows their new personal companion. Now, what's up with that voice? Oh, uh, our viewers can't hear it because uh, we can't play the music that's under it. Oh, the whole, okay, the best part about these videos is the voice. So you know what we should do? What? Let's send this over to Patreon bonus stories right. where we can play stuff like this mm -hmm. and we'll talk about it there. All right. But, you know, to continue talking about VW, according to our friends at Nextmove, Volkswagen internal documents show that VW will continue to produce and sell e-golfs through late fall of this year, even though they had previously announced that they'd be discontinued. So why are they doing this? Well, because they need to meet Europeans' reduced CO2 standards, and the ID3 is delayed, coming out this summer, but with an expected very slow rollout, and production is reduced due to low battery supply. So even though like there's going to be tens of thousands of ID3s, it sounds like in August and September it's going to be like just a few cars. I think it's funny that they even wanted to stop e-golf production at all because it's one of their nicer selling EVs in Europe. VW has announced big discounts on the e-golf now, bringing its price below 25,000 euros or $27,000. The reason why? They need to move these cars to get their fleet numbers better. Wow. And e-golf sales were really good in February with 3,695 e-golfs sold in Europe versus 3,481 Model 3s. But guess who beat them both? The Model Y? No, it's not, <laughs> it's not selling in Europe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Renault Zoe beat them both with 6,391 sales. Now, sales of e-golfs here in the States were down 58% for the first three months of 2020, with only 361 e-golfs sold versus, mm -hmm. guess how many Model 3s were sold? 3,610? They don't break down sales between Europe and America, but I mean, they had 75,000 Model 3s sold, so you got to imagine a lot of them were here in the U.S. Wow. It, isn't that crazy? So, I mean, why isn't VW delivering e-golfs here in the U.S., you might ask? Because you're right, it's a very popular car. Uh, well, it's because our emission standards are weaker, so Volkswagen doesn't care. Um, it's harder to get a Volkswagen e-golf. You know, even if you want one, it's hard to get your hands on one because yeah. they don't want to sell it to you. Yeah, and here's the important part. You see... Europe has these tight emission standards, and so car companies have to listen. Here in the U.S., where we have these much laxer standards, the car companies don't care. Right. So, I mean, if you tighten up your standards, people, you'll get cleaner air. Right. 
It's time for our video contributor story, and I want to thank GoPuck for supporting this part of the show. So go to the GoPuck website, and uh, Blake has got a bunch of cool deals going on right now with GoPuck where you can get some special edition GoPucks, which, if you don't know, are these really cool battery power supplies. And also discounts for essential workers right now. So, I mean, there are a lot of... Uh, you know, people who have to be on their feet all day. They don't want to necessarily get near a dirty, uh, you know, outlet or, you know, someone's cord. So just having that battery pack right in your pocket. Um, he's got some really great discounts for those people. Really, really nice of him to offer that. All right. So our video contributor story this week is from Alexander from Germany. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Alex reporting out of Thin Creek Valley in the middle of the forest in the southwest of Germany. I'm standing here in front of an off-grid water mill that has been using hydropower for the last 500 years or so. During all these centuries, the power of the wheel was transferred by pulleys and belts to saw logs into timber, to grind wheat into flour, to press oil from seeds or to metal, to hammer tools out of metal. Let's have a quick look at the water wheel. Hence the headlamp, it's dark in there. And today we are producing around about 4 kilowatt hours of energy, electricity, with the same water wheel, although with modern gears and bearings. I mentioned we are living off-grid, so excess energy can't be fed back, it has to be used. Besides running all the usual household appliances, or other modern devices, we heat the air in the house, water for a nice hot shower and then store the rest here in these lead gel battery packs. A constant 24-7 4 kilowatt hour power supply also allows for charging of smaller vehicles. For most of our daily chores, transportation here in the valley, a ride over the ridge into the next village, we have replaced our diesel horse. Here you see diesel horse with a 22 kilowatt Polaris Ranger EV. Access into the valley is through the forest on rough tracks. So for longer distance travel, we still rely on a diesel burning four wheel drive ice car. So guys, if you could get in touch with Elon, that would be really nice. And ask him if it's maybe possible to produce the Cybertruck for the European market as well. Uh, We would be the first ones to set up a FundMe campaign immediately and uh, try this awesomely designed vehicle under real circumstances. Thank you. And now you know. Jetzt weißt du Bescheid. That is so cool. Oh, hydro so just cool. keeps pumping out the power. I know. And it's just a little stream. Like you think of hydro and you think of like big dams and stuff like that. Yeah. But just a little, you know, thing like that to run your house. Man, does it make me want to go live up in the mountains even more than right now. <laughs> All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. And so I just want to mention to our Patreons out there and to everybody that YouTube has been cutting way, way back on YouTube revenue. That's how we make our money. Right. Since January, they cut revenue uh, per view by 28%. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine you go to work and your salary was cut 28%. Your boss boss comes in and he's like, "Um, yeah, um, you're going to get a 28%. A uh, pay cut. I know that your uh, your output has been going up, but uh, you're going to be making less money. Uh, without our Patreon support, 
There's it no would, way we can do this. It would very quickly become financially um, impossible to do this show. So thank you to our Patreons. If you want to help support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash channel. You can support us for as little as a buck a month, and you'll get these Patreon bonus stories, which come out every week, which means you're only paying 25 cents for them, in addition to lots of other perks that we have available. All right, we're back from our Patreon bonus stories. All right, it's time for our Patreon shout-outs. These are people that support us for $5 or more every month and really make the show possible. Who do we have this week? We have Alfredo F. Garza, Joseph Darrow, Peter Kifka, J972, Brian Cox, Nathan Estrada, Blue Biplane and Hubby, Rick Olson, Tammy Glick, Bruce Hildensheen, Lubaru Design, and I Win. Thank you, guys. And we got those all right. All right, it's time for Elon's Tweets of the Week. And Elon said, logarithm graphs coming soon. This is time spent looking at exponential graphs. Now, it's important to mention here that exponential graphs go whoop, and logarithmic goes whoop. So hopefully we're getting to that part of the graph. Tesla owner Silicon Valley said, what do you miss most right now? Elon said, seeing friends. And Ian Adair said, Elon, can you please make it so the driver can decide which phone the car prioritizes? Wife rides along with me in my Model 3, and her phone is the one the car decides to connect to for calls, etc. Elon said, okay. Well, that's great because a lot of people, <laughs> including myself, have that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then donations from Tesla are arriving. These are pictures from different hospitals that are getting supplies of ventilators and other medical supplies. Uh, and Elon said, happy we could be helpful, more available if needed. And uh, that's just great to see. And then this tweet from Cody Hill, he said, Los Angeles had the cleanest air ever recorded there in March 2020, astounding chart from the EPA. And this is mostly from reduced driving with the same vehicle fleet. It could be the new normal and 13 million people living there would be healthier if we electrify transportation. And Elon said, Air quality has a much bigger effect on health than people realize. Credit to Larry Page for making me aware of this. And we talked about this on In-Depth a week ago. And a lot of people ask about this, and so did Third Row Tesla Podcast. They said, I don't know why they don't make the home link a software upgrade. Complicated to install? Expensive licensing fees? I don't get it. It sucks because this is one of the best Tesla features hands down. My Model 3 came with it, but when I buy a new performance soon, it won't. And Elon said... Homelink is third-party hardware that increases cost of all cars, but only some people use it, so it's only installed upon request. Long-term garage openers are transitioning to Wi-Fi activated. So, for instance, I don't have a garage. I don't use Homelink. My car has Homelink. They put it in my car. I, I paid for it at some level. I paid money so that they could pay to put the Homelink in my car. And I didn't need it. Right. So now when you get the cars, you're having to pay extra to get it. But that's saving the price for for everyone, basically. Right. Jason said, any way the original long-range rear-wheel drive Model 3 owners can get an opportunity again to purchase basic autopilot for a slightly discounted price. And Elon said, oh, sure. Good point. We'll discuss with team and make available to buy in Tesla app. And then Z asked, any Plaid Model S updates? Elon said, we're going to simplify Plaid a little. It was getting too complex. So then How Things Work tweeted this out. These are the U.S. unemployment claims in their historical context. And if you watch this GIF, you see over time there's been, you know, times when the uh, unemployment rate goes up. And then when we get to this point in history, which is today, uh, you see that this is going off the charts. Like it is not stopping, right? And Elon tweeted back two exclamation points because if this is even remotely true, if these numbers are accurate – 
we've never seen anything like this before. Uh, and so, yeah, this is, I don't even, I don't know how to process this yet. And then finally, let's end on a fun note with animals. Uh, Pernay said, can you share some pics of your cat Schrodinger? And Elon said, she's neither here nor there. Okay. All right, it's time for community mail time. Community mail time. So last week I was saying that I hadn't seen a red Model Y before, like even pictures really. Um, And Tina's daughter, Sophie, lives in the middle of Wyoming and she got a red Model Y. Nice. So I'm just saying she lives in the middle of Wyoming. So if she can do it, you can do it. You can stop whining about it. 10, 20 miles from a supercharger. Like, you can stop whining about it. And then Jennifer decked out her Model 3 with happy birthday wishes to drive around town and help cheer up kids whose birthdays are here, but they can't be celebrated because of the lockdown and the stay-at-home order. Wait, so that looks like a very familiar Model 3. Yeah, that's your that's your mother's Model 3. Oh, my, my mother, Jennifer. Yes. Oh, good job, Mom. Yeah. That's very fun. Yeah, she's going to do that every Saturday for uh, for the kids around town. Everyone's that's driving great. around doing little happy birthday parades, and that's so nice. All right, it's time for the on-air question of the week. Les asks, when, if ever, do you think Tesla will come out with a CCS adapter so we may take advantage of other charging networks? So first, we should preface by saying that in Europe, all Model 3s are sold with only the CCS port, right. and that the superchargers, some of the superchargers in Europe and soon to be all superchargers will have a CCS port that can go into the Model 3. Right. Um, in the United States, uh, Tesla is stuck with their uh, proprietary plug. The CCS charging network in the United States is still in its fledgling, like it's getting there for sure. I think that it does make sense at some point for Tesla to come out with a CCS adapter or some other company to do that. Right. I mean, the space is there um, on you know, to maybe fit both. Or you just have, uh, you know, there's a Chatamo one as well where you can plug in a Chatamo, but it only goes to 50 kilowatts. Yeah. I think it... And they don't sell it anymore. Uh, that's true. And it's real expensive. That's also true. So so you don't have an answer is what you're saying. E- either Tesla could offer that or probably for the same amount of like R&D work that it would take to make one of them uh, and then produce it, they could just... Make more superchargers. We need a uh, industry group that comes together and comes up with some kind of standard. Right now, we just don't have that. All right. The results of our poll last week where we asked what aspect of the Model Y makes it more compelling than the Model 3. And, and the biggest answer was? Hatchback and cargo space. Yeah. And I also forgot to include um, the heated radar um, and and like one other thing because I... <laughs> I was I was racking my brain. I was like, these are all the things you would want with the Model Y. I completely forgot about the heated radar part. All right, it's time for a supercharge review sponsored by our friends at EvanX, the Tesla community's accessory store. And if you're looking for awesome accessories for your Tesla, then check out EvanX and use our discount code to save even more. And I got to say, in this time where a lot of businesses are having difficulties because people are not going out and spending and doing things, if you were thinking of doing something cool to your Tesla, like an upgrade. Uh, you right, because you have some time. Right. Now's the time to yeah. head over to EvanX and pick up that new set of wheels you wanted or that new cool feature that you wanted to, you know, it was going to take two days to put in. Right, or something that you just were like, oh, I just don't have time. I don't want to install that decal or whatever it is. Now you got the time. Exactly. And uh, EvanX could really use your support. Zach and Jesse, welcome to Scotch Corner on the A1 in the UK. This is the site of one of the latest superchargers in the UK. I think it's only been open for about four or five months. Now this supercharger has got eight stalls and is based in the car park 
of the Holiday Inn Hotel. Now, Holiday Inn Hotels are excellent, they're all around the UK, and this one is based right on the roundabout of the A1, so it's straight off the motorway and the route to many other destinations. Now, the Holiday Inn has got obviously a restaurant inside, bathrooms inside, and a few other facilities that we need, and it's well placed on the roundabout. So I would give this charger a 7 out of 10, mainly because it's well placed in terms of uh, facilitating other routes and also the car park is very approachable. Hi Zach and Jesse, Eric here at the Livonia, Michigan 150 kilowatt supercharger, which is about 3 miles outside of Detroit's west side. It's uh, one of just two superchargers in the Detroit area. Uh, likely due to the issues Tesla has had with the state of Michigan and dealerships. As you can see, there are 10 superchargers, one of which you can pull straight in, and it's in the Meyer parking lot, which most superchargers in Michigan are. For those of you who don't know, Meyer is a Michigan's version of Walmart. There are also many other shops here, many of which are closed right now due to the double bad uh, cold situation that's going on right now which is also why I'm dressed the way I am. Now you know. How's it going? We're here at Woodbridge, New Jersey, eight stall, 150 kilowatt supercharger. Um, this is a pretty decent location. You do have your Wawa right over here. You have an Aldi down over there. Uh, up the road, you have a McDonald's. Across the street, you have a uh, Walmart. So I would say this is a great location. Um, definitely would recommend it as a good supercharging stop. It is a lot of times going to be um, full, so you definitely do want to check in and see how far it's going to be and how many uh, cars are actually charging here now. Uh, there is actually two or three superchargers in the area, so this is not your only choice, but this is definitely, I would say, an 8 out of 10 because you do have the Wawa, you have a bunch of other stores right around it. So definitely recommended stop. It is the 150 kilowatt. The one that is a little bit farther away, if we zoom out over there is only, I think a 75 kilowatt. Uh, or sorry, it's 120 kilowatt, which also has eight stalls. And then if you actually are coming in from New York, then I would definitely recommend the Staten Island supercharger as opposed to this one, because uh, there's a lot more stalls and you have a lot more available over there and I left a review on that one as well so that's pretty much it hope you guys enjoy and now you know thank you for going out there and I mean it was great to see that even in this crazy time people can still do supercharger reviews all right it's time for new superchargers that are going online what do we got number seven in Poland is the four stall in Katowice in Jankigo Poland sorry for the pronunciation there's a 60 install, 250 kilowatt in Lakewood, Colorado. Number 805 in the United States, the 8 stall, 250 kilowatt supercharger in Forks, Washington. Number 24 in Japan is an 8 stall, 120 kilowatt in Osaka, in Toyonaka, Japan. Number 35 in Australia, the 6 stall in Camberwell, Victoria, Australia. Number 18 in Taiwan is a 4 stall, 120 kilowatt in Hulien, Dhaka, Taiwan. The 4-stall in Chengdu, Helen City Plaza, China. A 12-stall in Chengdu at the Huidan Plaza, China. An 8-stall, 250 kilowatt in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. And number 100 in Canada is the 12-stall, 250 kilowatt at Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. 
All right, it's time for our Patreon giveaway, where we give away an EcoWare t-shirt to one of our Patreons. And uh, the more you support us, the more times we put your name into this big basket of fun. All right, so who's our winner for an EcoWare t-shirt today? Winner is Seth Steen. Congratulations, Congratulations. Seth. You've got an EcoWare t-shirt designed with solar energy, completely carbon offset. You buy a tea, we plant a tree. And you made it to the end of the show. Um, all these names that you're seeing going by here are Patreons who support us at $5 or more a month. And uh, thank look, at all, look at all the names. I know. Thank you so much for your support. And we really can't pull the show off without you. We mentioned this earlier that, that you know YouTube has just cut and cut and cut what we get paid as YouTubers. They've been doing it consistently um, as we've been growing. So we've basically hit a plateau right. of, of a- ad revenue, and it's just stayed constant um, as we're growing, as we're putting out more and more content, better content, um, you know, giving raises to our editors and stuff like that. So we're really trying to make this work and it's our patrons who are coming through every single time. So thank you so much. Um, Also, if you want to get your name on a race car, head over to electricperformance.tv. That's electricperformance.tv. Like the thing that you might be watching this on. Um, you can support us. You can buy a hat. You can buy a shirt. You can buy a jacket. Yeah, that's the only place right now where you can sweatshirt. get all the team gear. So I mean, if you want to support us and show this off, like we've got hats, sweatshirts, right. T-shirts, and jackets. Um, and then we've got a way to get your name on the car. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, head over to electricperformance.tv. And, and you do know that every week on Electric Performance uh, channel, the new YouTube channel we started, Blake is over there showing you what he's doing to get the car ready for Pikes Peak. Yep. And that's really cool to watch because you get to see kind of behind the scenes of how race car drivers get cars ready. And he's starting to rip things out of the car and to start putting things in the car. So, yep. like, even if you're not into racing, but you're just into, like, how does the car work and, and what can it do? Like, right. Blake has really great insights. So I also encourage you to head over to Electric Performance, the YouTube channel, and subscribe because it really, really helps that channel. It's going to get more people to see it who probably haven't even heard of electric cars before. And the Clips channel. We have our Now You Know Clips channel where we put all the stories you've seen on today's show in smaller form over there. And we also have a funny reel that we put out every now and then that has kind of our jokes out of context, which Mm -hmm. is the only place you can see that. Right. Also, just a reminder uh, to tweet that that clip. So head over to the Clips channel uh, about Tesla Kid Grunheim so that way we can get more drone footage of the construction of of Tesla uh, Gigafactory Berlin. Such a warming thought that he goes out there with his drone on his bicycle. Like we've been raising money for him to get a, a bike. Yeah. Right. Goes out there on his bike, does this just for the community. He makes it all public access so that everyone can can do whatever they want with the footage right. and he's out there just flying the drone getting those shots for you and then some doofus comes over and is like oh stop doing this <laughs> right i'm gonna call what the police is the on problem you. like it's a freaking just big open area right. like it's not gonna and hurt he's a 13 year old kid right. i mean what it's yeah. so anyway yeah tweet that at elon um yeah because if tesla says yes he can keep doing it right and hey thank you so much for watching this episode we'll see you next week now, now you know, know.